Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi there, and thanks for tuning into the Pauses Podcast. If you'd like to see more of my content, you can find me on YouTube at the Positive Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Positivity94. And what I'm going to do is put my landing page link in my bio. So if you press this link, you'll get access to all of my content in one place. So if you also have any questions, want to provide any feedback for the podcast, please email me at the positivity podcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get into this episode and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Positive Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Andrew Peck. Andrew Peck is the podcast host of Consulting Unplugged. He's also the author of Stimulated, Habits to Spark Your Creative Genius at Work. In this podcast, we talk about how Andrew Peck got into the world of consultancy, business, and much more. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win Go along and tell a friend Marathon, you know the game Keep on running, never end Getting better, make a man Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it Positivity, 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 tune in Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No, no, you're welcome. It's really great to connect with you. And I just kind of thought I'd introduce you, um, kind of go over your profile a little bit, because you're a best-selling author of Stimulated Habits to Spark Your Creative Genius at Work, host of the Consulting Unplugged podcast. Um, You have a lot of experience in consulting and much more. You've helped companies from Pfizer, Bayer, Citigroup, and many more as well. Uh, you're a worldwide speaker, chief executive officer, DXD partners. Um, I think I said you're a host of the Consulting Unplugged podcast. Um, 
you know, how did you kind of um, get into this kind of like field? Because I know on your profile, you, you talk about like, you know, consulting, you know, business. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I mean, uh, you know, when I started my career, just to give you sort of quick linear yeah. history of my, uh, I started uh, right out of uh, university. I worked for a large oil company, British Petroleum, uh, in retail marketing. So I got experience. Uh, I didn't know any better other than to gain experience in business. I thought, all right, a corporate job would be a great thing. And, and it was a great foundation. And then I, I, I did my uh, master's in business with an emphasis on organizational behavior early on. And that was a great grounding um, to this world of consulting because the idea was to provide advice, provide expertise, to coach and counsel other leaders or other teams or other organizations, how to solve their business challenge, right? So I really got kind of smitten by that. And then eventually uh, went uh, and joined a large consulting firm called Anderson Consulting at the time, but then later became Accenture. Uh, and that's where I cut my teeth on uh, really large corporate kind of consulting, traveled the world, did some really interesting things. But, you know, all along the way, I always had this entrepreneurial bug and thought, why don't I put out my own shingle someday? And, and that's what I did 15 years ago with DXC Partners, uh, doing work around innovation, creativity, business uh, model, uh, innovation and change, and uh, provided services to a, a number of great clients uh, throughout the world. And, and, uh, and because of that experiences, cumulative, I started to teach at universities consulting courses. People were asking me to, what is consulting? Whether you're in engineering or finance or technology, there's always a consultative approach to how you do the work, right? You're providing advice or creating a, offering a solution, but there's a real strong relationship aspect. So I, I, I designed this course called Consulting Unplugged. And then I thought, well, because of the relationships and networks I have, why don't I bring many of the people whom I have coached or consulted or uh, consulted to and bring their voices to that program? So that's uh, uh, how I got to where I am today. No, that's awesome. And I think like, like you said, you went into like, you know, the corporate world and got a job in consulting. You know, I think like there's a lot of experience to be gained in that, isn't it? Because you're working, I suppose, with lots of different companies and uh, kind of seeing how how they work and and what works to uh, kind of help them. And I think, like you said, it's like you know, and you got approached by universities, which is great as well. You know, to work with them, and it's kind of like I suppose you just kind of thought, oh, there's something here. You know, people sure. wanted me to speak and to deliver this. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting uh, uh, point of view, Adam, that, you know, I've been fortunate because the more that I started to work with a variety of different organizations, industries, people, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, working internationally uh, in different markets. And, and so at, at a certain period of time, look, I, the truth be told, there's so much yet for me to learn and know and grow, right? So it's not like I've mastered uh, or got a lock on, on, on knowledge. However, 
I've been around the block, so to speak, and I, I, I've, I see the same patterns. And I bring that kind of uh, very perspective, having seen different people in similar situations, that I know that's why people hire me, is I have that sort of wisdom, if you will, uh, to, to impart to others, uh, which has been really fun uh, mm -hmm. uh, to, to have that kind of uh, wide spectrum of experience. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. And I think like, you know, in the day, um, in the world that we live in now, I think like, uh, you know, like PR, consulting, you know, business, uh, networking, relationships, you know, it all kind of, they kind of all interconnect, don't they, I think. Um, and I think like it's very much needed in the world today, isn't it? You know, to have that, um, all of that together. And, you know, like for consulting, um, kind of have it in like a nutshell like what is it like involved like kind of cap if it kind of cap capsulate what consulting sure. is yeah no that's a great question people often ask that and i i do go into some length in my program to yeah. explain you know in a traditional sense consulting is to provide uh advice or expertise to another person so somebody let's say it's you're trying a company that's looking to become more digital or, or looking to come up with new products or services that helps them to be competitive. They are getting an external resource who has certain knowledge or expertise in a particular area. So that's what I call sort of business currency. But my definition of consulting is it's more than that. It is, it is a more conscious and disciplined approach to providing, um, you know, positive change. Mm. So there's, you, you're not only bringing knowledge on the business level or whatever problem you're helping another company or individual solve for, but you're, you're getting them to adopt new behaviors, uh, change the way they're thinking about their customers or their marketplace, helping them to not just, uh, you, you know, the old adage, teach a man, you know, give somebody a fish versus, you want to teach them how to fish, right? So yeah. a consultant is also trying to create, you know, impart skill and capabilities so that they wouldn't necessarily always have to rely on the consultant. Mm -hmm. And then why I said positive, the, the most successful consultants, in my opinion, are the ones who not only master their business tradecraft, but the social currency, you know, mm -hmm. how they're able to uh, influence, build relationships, be more empathetic, these sorts of things, I think are essential to a consultant's success. Yeah, I think, I think that's really, really key you mentioned. And it makes more kind of sense to me because it's quite new to me kind of what consultancy is. Like I, I, you know, since I reconnected, I've been looking a bit more into it. And I think, like you said, we, you know, that patience and, you know, really kind of having that empathy for, you know, the people you're working with, isn't it? Because I suppose like a lot of businesses out there, um, I mean, they're very kind of, you know, go, go, go. And, you know, if you want to have that good relationship with the people, you really kind of need to have that, that understanding, that empathy to listen to them. And I suppose for them to listen as well and to kind of be accountable for what they're doing or what needs to change. Because so I think um, from articles that I've seen in the media and things like that, you know, that some companies kind of find it hard to change or they kind of, you know, have you, have you kind of come across that? Like kind of companies that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, 
you know, people, you know, you were when somebody employs you. So somebody decides that maybe it would be time for us to get some outside perspective. So obviously any organization, they have a certain knowledge and expertise. They've got their own sort of wisdom. But if you're trying to get a, a fresh perspective, they're often attracted to a person like myself to say, hey, give us your experience. You've worked with this. You've worked with our competitors. You've worked with other industries. Tell us what uh, you think. And, and so as a consultant, there, you know, nothing is more satisfying when not only obviously you get paid for what you do, but the affecting some positive change and that they adopt your suggestions or solutions or capabilities or services. But the truth be told there is they don't always do that. They are often resistant to the change. So you, you suggest things and then you find uh, that's not going to work in our environment. Uh, we've tried that before. You get that kind of uh, usual um, you know, roadblock. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. There's oftentimes, which can be frustrating for the consultant, is hmm. you put so much of your effort into the relationship and then you see no change that could be very uh, dissatisfying. Yeah. And I think as, as well, like they kind of need to be accountable because they probably pay you know, a certain amount of money to for people's services because you have to go in there and, and spend time with them and look at what's happening. So it's, you know, I think like it's it's so important in the world today, isn't it, to you know to be accountable and to to want to change and um, to be open to what you know or consultants you know have to say. Um, and I think, do you think like uh, during COVID, there's been um, I suppose a lot of increase in, in businesses kind of needing consulting because of, you know, looking at different ways to adapt, do you think? Well, sure. I mean, yes and maybe no. I mean, it depends yeah. maybe in terms of what, uh, what business, right, the industry. I mean, on one hand, historically, just giving you perspective, the, you know, cons- we've had advisors, and I even talk about this in my program since like Machiavelli. You know, Machiavelli mm. was the sort of, behind the scenes advisor to princesses and kings, you know, in uh, yeah. the 1500s in Italy. That, that was what I would consider a modern day consultant. And they would travel to these different municipalities providing perspective and advice on how a lord or king could uh, uh, govern, right? Yeah. Well, you know, historically consultants like myself would travel to their clients. They sort of become embedded in a system in a work culture and system for a while. And, and that was really quite effective. Now with everything that's going on and we're more virtual, um, you know, I've seen an you know, uptick in, in, you know, wanting external resources, not just to provide advice, but like really roll up your sleeves, hands, you know, like they are looking to consultants like myself again, to not just, hey, let me tell you, you know, give you my three by five card of, uh, principles of success they're asking you to say hey could you help us do these things could you implement these things and and when you're not uh having to worry so much about travel costs or hotel and lodging and all these things that Mm. would be associated with consulting fees uh it's you know an an inexpensive model if you will relatively speaking to get Mm. short-term temporary extra work and pair of hands so to speak yeah Makes yeah. sense. 
Yeah, yeah, make, makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I think like with that, um, I think like with with businesses, you know, I think it's a really good thing that's in place for them, isn't it? You know, if they if they want help and they're struggling with something, and I think like uh, as well, there's a lot of competition out there in business. So I think so. My dog's outside. Um, it, it's it's vital, you know, that they kind of sorry for that noise. <laughs> um, like move, move, um, move forward to you know want help, but like with the um, with the book that you have, like kind of how did you kind of come about doing that as well? Like um, yeah, so so my tradecraft, and when I say tradecraft, that's like my secret sauce or superpowers. The the, the mm-hmm. subject matter that I know uh, most about is is an area of what they call creativity, critical thinking, innovation, or design thinking. Design thinking became very much in vogue, you know, back like 2005 uh, and beyond, right? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, When I was still in corporate world, I had responsibility for driving innovation for the company I was working with. It was Pfizer Consumer Healthcare, where we were looking to come up with new products, new ways of engaging our customers. And also internally, how do you build a more creative, innovative culture and mindset in the organization? Hmm. And that experience led me to make some observations and saying, what are some of the underlying habits and behaviors of innovators or creative people? And that kind of gave myself and my co-author, Janine McGlade, the sort of the spark ourselves, the genesis of, hey, there are certain characteristics that help uh, enable people to be more innovative than others. Mm-hmm. What what is it about a Steve Jobs back in the day that made him so creative, or what was it about some of these uh, early pioneers who were really brilliant innovators? What were some of the underlying habits? And and so we uh, wrote the book Stimulated uh, on the premise that in order to spark creative ideas and come up with, you know, those moments when either you're on a walk or a run or in the shower or at a Mm, a cafe, you know, all of a sudden, boom, you know, million dollar idea. We said that you have to cultivate that kind of stimulus and, and, and continue to, you know, apply certain set of habits that Mm. will spark more likely than not fresh new ideas, breakthrough new ideas. And, and, and to make it a habit, as opposed to a once in a while occurrence, is mm. what gave birth to that. So we wrote Stimulated, did very well, kind of really was the sort of foundation of our business uh, and had great fun, uh, you know, uh, talking about it and promoting it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I really like that. And it must have been interested, you know, researching and probably interviewing people to kind of like get, you know, information and, and look at, you know why what kind of makes people like that way and i think you know when you when you mentioned that kind of creativity and that kind of you know when you get ideas it's a bit like a muscle isn't it i think like when you kind of work on it it kind of kind of becomes more kind of frequent over time and it's like you said um you know whether you're in the shower or sometimes i've been laying in bed and then it, something comes to me and i'm like oh, i need to just jot that down or it, it's really really fascinating how um you know the human mind kind of works and you see mm-hmm. people like Steve Jobs and um 
trying to think of some other people like Elon Musk and uh... yeah, Elon, yeah, they're 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 immersive. Like, like take Elon Musk. That guy is like the method actor of innovation. Mm. I mean, he he dressed in you know sometimes you know on the surface I don't know him personally, but yeah, uh, he you can tell he just is whatever he's working on. He, he's sort of all in, and 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 that is one of the characteristics we found repeatedly is that. Uh, people cultivate, cultivating uh, a, a set of conditions, anything from your physical environment, where you work, who you interact with, how you are, conduct your day, to the kind of information you absorb and ingest, which back to something earlier you, you brought up, you know, we are de dealing with an unprecedented and difficult, challenging time. Mm. And many of us have been operating in isolation. And I think mm. I wonder, this is just a speculation, to what extent uh, uh, will that dampen some innovations or creativity? Or for those who are already conditioned, who have that kind of muscle, to your point, mm. exercise it regularly, yeah. it, may, it may result in some amazing new breakthroughs and, and ideas. But the yeah. like you said, is you got to exercise it. Um, mm. Otherwise, that creative uh, muscle will atrophy. Mm. yeah definitely i think thinking about my personal experience i think for the past year from doing the podcast it's kind of i think doing this has been a bit of a muscle you know it's like you know working on a muscle to be honest i think like doing it thinking of ideas and things kind of popping up if that makes sense like yeah. have you found that with doing your like kind of podcast and yeah work and yeah yeah and and that's uh, you know the the exciting piece is always learning mm. um and and you know in trying to i mean it's a tension between wanting to be a perfectionist you, you and i talked uh yeah for the recording it's like how do you improve the sound the quality of the experience and yet at the same time, my brand is unplugged. I love just more free-flowing, casual conversation because I yeah. think it's more real than it, otherwise it gets too wooden, right? I'm yeah. not on some national uh, uh, broadcast station that has to be, you know, really structured. Yeah. Um, so, but I've been learning a lot, of course, but what's especially stimulating to me is meeting new people like yourself. Mm. Um, learning more about the process of broadcasting, not only from the front end piece of having conversations like this, but the back end and like, holy smokes. All right. Now that I have this, how do you leverage it? All the backlinks and, you know, of course, yeah. interested in improving your ratings and, and uh, all those sorts of things. Yeah. It's, it's a very creative, creative um, process, isn't it? And learning process. And I think there's, I mean, a lot of time does go into it. So I think everyone who has a podcast um, or who does this, everyone's got different commitments and different time frames and all of that. But I think is a lot of time goes into it. And I think there's so many ways of kind of putting it out there. There's so many, um, so many narratives to it. And I think, like you said, we we're saying about perfectionism. Sometimes we can create something and have an idea, do it, put it out. And then you're like, oh no, I could have done this. And then, and then you've, <laughs> shipped it out and then you just have to kind of go with it and i well, think yeah yeah no it's exactly right so when uh janine mcglade and i wrote uh stimulated it, it make no mistake writing a book and and it, it you know i've written yeah. others since uh it is a labor love it's just the 
bitch at times, <laughs> to, you know, to just go through that process. Uh, you know, the initial stages when you're developing and interviewing people, that's the fun, exciting part. But there's a moment in time, it's like, this is really hard work getting edited. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, oh my God, why did I even bother? To the point where you're like so sick of it. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden when you produce that, it's like, it's so exciting. There's a momentary mm. excitement. And then to your point, then all of a sudden you said, oh, I wish I would have talked about this or I, I would have yeah. done this instead. And so you end up like kind of rewriting, recreating it the moment that you've produced it. And I mm. think this is true of almost every, we talk about Picasso, for example, in our yeah. book, Stimulated, where I, th I don't know, he had tens of thousands of pieces of art of which maybe, I don't know, 10% of that were truly masterpieces. But that didn't stop him from all those sort of dog paintings. And I'm sure there, you could fetch a, a lot of money for those dog paintings now, right? But he practiced and practiced and practiced all the time. Um, it wasn't just like he just got a canvas and just created a masterpiece from nothing. He, yeah. was, he was devoted to the exercise of the creative process. I think that I really agree with that. And I think it's it's kind of part of that process, as you mentioned, you know, writing a book and, and with a lot of things, um, there's going to be times where it's really hard. And, I've, you know, you're not, you're not the only person to tell me that, you know, writing a book's like really difficult and there's moments like that. And I think it's, but I think, does it, you know, I suppose it makes you appreciate the kind of final product you know, kind of going through all that and kind of overcoming that and then, you know, kind of completing it. And I think like with art, like as well, there's, there's an element to it as well. And I think, you know, even with sometimes, you know, editing podcasts or, or certain times, um, you know, I've uploaded things and then it doesn't upload properly or something goes wrong. And then you're like, I've just spent an hour doing that and I can't get that time back. And then you, <laughs> but, but yeah, you just have to keep on, on going. And, um, I quite like the the picture in the background. I know we spoke so we spoke about yeah. that when we met. Yeah, the yeah the Beatles. Uh, uh, you know, I love music. That's one of the things that we talk about. Uh, yeah, is uh, music is a great uh, stimulus. So mm. uh, for many years now, from the early days when I got into this kind of work around creativity and innovation, I anytime anyone would come to one of my seminars or workshops. I always had music playing. It's an, a form of energy. It helps spark creativity, imagination. It relaxes people. You can't do this kind of innovation-like work uh, if you're, you know, tense. Mm. And, and, and so I'm a big music uh, guy of all sorts of facets. Obviously, the Beatles are a classic yeah. band. Um not to mention it's, artwork, you know, the, the artwork that you're, you're talking about is mm. uh, artists and uh, kind of like it. So, yeah, it's awesome. I think when there's, like I said, that energy to music and that like frequency to it. And, you know, even with art and painting, there's that kind of energy with it. And, you know, energy has gone into making that and it's kind of there. And it can, you know, music and art can really kind of alter your emotional state, can't it? It can really shift you. Um, sometimes and it's like uh, the the clip I, I saw on your um, website you know where you're talking about what you're doing consulting I really like the um, is it piano or violin I think it's a violin or piano it's 
really kind of upbeat and it kind of yeah. it kind of gets you engaged and, I, and that's what I, I really I felt engaged you know from that music in the background so it's it's quite powerful how you know music really works and art and all those these kind of creative processes and I I, I was thinking about Jimi Hendrix you, you know Jimi Hendrix music oh, yeah, I I, Hendrix. some of his music really kind of like oh my god so deep yeah no well and that's just it and again each of these you know when you think of uh stay with that kind of sort of music artist yeah. level many of them you know you see them on on stage and and they're incredible personas and accomplished musicians what you don't see is all the blood sweat and tears behind yeah, it that yeah. they had to do i mean jimmy hendrix you know is another good example of somebody who practiced his tradecraft often um and i'm sure there were moments in his as well as other musicians who followed those setbacks mm. but when you're passionate about it and you continue to work at your craft that gives you the level of confidence where it becomes then it just becomes who you are it's so internalized at that point mm. um, yeah so it's 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 powerful isn't it and i think uh I've, I've spoken to a few people who are like kind of in that industry and they'll say, I remember one guy said to me, you know, he might go to the studio for studio for eight hours and he might not make anything. He's just kind right. of played around with stuff. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's exactly right. And, and so one of the things I talked about, in fact, I posted on this just today, been mm. uh, one of the power skills I talk about in my course is called compounding your energy. So think of an mm. investment, if you're looking mm. to grow your portfolio of money, you, you, the more that you put in on a regular basis, it compounds, right? A, a, over a period of time, it may not seem, it may be very incremental, but it just will increase in value it, mm. on regular sort of uh, discipline sort of action mm. toward it, right? Well, the same is true about your own sort of mental state and energy, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, you, how you want, ever want to define that more you invest in that sort of your energetic self, the more that you will compound that, that time is irrelevant. Mm. Uh, Tony Schwartz, who is a, a favorite author of mine from years ago, wrote a book called, you know, you need to manage your energy, not your time. We all have mm -hmm. about the same time. Yeah, some people are busier than others, of course, right? But it, time is finite. It's the energy that's infinite. And, mm -hmm. and so the more that you can invest in your energetic creative self, if you will, the more likely you're going to accomplish bigger and better things. That's why at times we get, when life happens, uh, we get distracted. We get, uh, we commit to things that just take away our energy. We get depleted. We're not rested. All these sort of things can conspire against that. And all of a sudden we say, shit, I can't, you know, accomplish yeah. anything because I'm just in this horrible energetic state. So to me, an effective consultant or professional entrepreneur and innovator, if you invest in that energetic state of yourself, the more likely you're going to be more impactful mm. uh, and, and, and it grows. Um, mm. That's why you can see, uh, again, back to musicians, like when they step on stage, you're like, wow, this guy... Uh, you know, played for three hours straight. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing Billy Joel, another great here in, in, in wow. New York where I live. He played for three hours straight and 
three hours. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I think you know he might have had one break, which was kind of cool. At one point, in one of the concerts, uh, he did. He calls Fielder's Choice, so he just asked the audience, uh, you know, you know, I'm going to give you three choices of music in my, you know, my uh, library of music. You choose based on audience clapping and. Then he would play it. I mean, that just shows you could just do it right on a dime. But then at oh. one point, he brought out one of his roadies, and uh, uh, they played uh, something from uh, ACDC. This <laughs> 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 was great. Yeah. So his versatility. But, you know, it's that level of energy that he brings to the mm. performance is the same ethos that I want consultants whom I am now working with to bring. What's your mm. energetic sort of mojo that you want to yeah. bring to your stage of work? No, I love that. I love that. And I think that's that's really important, you know, and I, and I agree. And I think, uh, you know, energy, like you said, uh, you know, everyone's got, you know, 24 hours in a day or, or whatever. And, you know, it's that energy, isn't it? That, you know, is the time's finite, but like, you know, energy is, you know, kind of, always there but it depends on what you put that energy into is going to affect you isn't it and you know you're gonna have i mean people are sometimes people have off days that, that's normal but i think sometimes you know like if you want to show up and be the best that you can be or your most effective self you kind of i think kind of when when we're in podcasting like you know me like me and yourself um you you have to kind of be on form for for what you're doing and yeah. it's like some days you know i I like to have a few glasses of wine, you know, sometimes like during the weekend or, or whatever. But if I've got a podcast, I'll be like, I can't go to bed at this time, you know, and I've, cause I don't, it's not fair on me. It's not fair on the other person. And it, I think it, when you become really mindful of your energy and where your energy, what your energy is going into, um, is, you know, it's really important to kind of be in that mindful place. So, I mean, you know, we all do things, don't we, you know, we might go to bed too late or, or whatever, but, um, and that's okay, but I think like it's really vital what you mentioned because you know if you're working with a company or you're consulting, you know you you want to be on form. They need to kind of show with that kind of good energy to kind of kind of fuse that kind of relationship, I suppose. It, it, it you bingo, you nailed it because um, you know there is a time I I I do that certainly in this past year because of the. Uh, circumstances at hand in terms of travel but boy yeah i used to be gone um when i at my sort of zenith of uh, consulting with a number of different clients i mean i would be gone monday through friday and you're in planes mm -hmm. and airports and hotels and 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 you're with clients all day you're presenting you're listening you're 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 doing all sorts yeah. of work associated in support of that i would be exhausted by the time i get it home yeah and, and so you know being as you said mindful and paying attention to that um and and, and the ability to say no because you know i'm i'm a relationship guy i love people yeah. i get a lot of my energy the more people i'm with however yeah. i found over the years uh, that i would have to say no to a client dinner not unless it was really essential and we were working on something that was called for that i'd say Hey guys, I love you. <laughs> I'll yeah. be there for you the next day, but I've got to take care of myself so that I can be my best self. And that's not easy, 
if you're affiliative and you feel like, oh, I have to be on all the time. Mm. Um, and that is, that is sort of the reality of it, that the work we do is demanding. Yeah. But it, it, to be your most effective self, you do have to take care of yourself. And that sometimes yeah. saying no uh, or setting boundaries um, to certain circumstances. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I mean, it's, uh, again, back to this idea that, you know, the, the musical performer, they, they have to, I, I forget what movie it was. Uh, I think, um, uh, oh, my God. yeah, it's, it's, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, Marky Mark was the, uh, uh, who's the guy? He, Michael Wahlberg. Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. He did a thing. Okay. On <laughs> I know. I know. I, I liked it. That was his back when he was just the uh, underwear model. But um, <laughs> he, uh, he did this movie called Rock and Roll. And I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, or I think it's Rock. Rockstar. Rockstar. That's it. Um, mm. Anyhow, uh, he... There's a scene uh, where the before uh, the character portrayed by Mark Wahlberg uh, becomes the lead singer. The lead singer of the former band is really like pissed off. Um, he, he said, "You know, you don't think I, you know, this th this just happens instantly and magically that I'm a good singer. I work mm -hmm. at my craft, and I think that was such a, a poignant scene in the movie because that's absolutely true. Even rock stars, whom we sometimes think, oh, all they do is party and you know have this mm -hmm. glamorous lifestyle." the better ones and the ones who are able to sustain themselves look at Mick Jagger after all these years he's in his 70s and the guys he can bring it right yeah yeah so, that's that's so such a great again, point apply that apply that mindset whether you are working at a lab in, in uh, some research center you're you're a coder for a, a big tech software company or you're uh, a, a big time advisor to top leaders think of your craft and how do you do it to, to, to make sure that you were well preserved so that you can perform at your best. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that. And I think it's, it's so important as you mentioned, you know, to be able to kind of conserve your energy and people will probably respect you more for setting those boundaries and being honest with yourself and saying no. Um, like it can be difficult sometimes I imagine, but I think like, you gain that kind of respect, you know, because people are like, you know, yeah, he needs to have his own time to, to do X, Y, Z and recharge. And I think like, you know, for a lot of people, like, you know, in that industry, um, or, like what you said, it can be applied to so many areas of your life and so many um, sectors of work. And I think you see this, like I said, in, in musicians, artists, actors, and they're on the go. And, you know, sometimes they, if, if they don't look after themselves, they can just burn out or, or get you know if they get involved in in whatever activities i think like um you know even with like stand-up comedy you know stand-up comedians you know their work ethic and like you look at um oh, yeah. like kevin hart yeah and you think wow like um i saw like a, a, a document like a mini documentary and he was like um you know kind of start he came from a rough place and you know he's he started out from nowhere and you think of like that being on the ball, you know, do, trying to, you know, showing up and being the best on stage you can. And um, 
I saw a freestyle as well. You know, these kind of rap freestyles. Yeah. There was a guy who who passed away not too long ago called Juice World, and he was a rapper, and he freestyled for like an hour, an hour straight. I think he did it like off the top of his head, and you think like, holy crap! Like, how many hours has he, has he put in to be able to do that for an hour? It's uh, it, it, it's it, crazy. It, I know. I love this. So like that you you know that you're. Um speaking my language because again music as a metaphor steven tyler uh um uh um eminem these guys yeah they, they're constantly working with words they're they're playing around with words and they look in the dictionary you know that's that's again back to sort of the work that we did early on with corporate professionals yeah we studied their habits and what did they do? One of the guys that uh, I worked with very closely and interviewed for the uh, our book and in, in stimulated, he uh, I loved you know always having a meeting and here was Manhattan, especially in a lovely you know spring yeah. day. Uh, instead of going and sitting on his office where the energy is low and the four walls, no light coming yeah. in, say hey let's go outside, let's go to Bryant Park or hey let's let's talk while we see this new exhibit at the uh, MoMA. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was always one of the most interesting, stimulating conversations because you get this just expansiveness, you know, the energy of the city, even the noise. There was mm. something about the combination of those conditions that would always make my interaction with him the most profound and memorable versus yeah. a typical business meeting like, and nowadays, can you imagine Zoom, you know, Zoom fatigue and all that? I mean, it's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I I can definitely relate to that because, you know, like I, I said to you, I went to New York like last year and it's uh, it was really, really cold. But um, the, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's that vibe to it. And I really resonate with that. And I think, you know, when I was going for walks, my friend looking around, and like, you know, compared to like being in an office, like you said, having a chat, being out in the open, being around, you know, what's going on, it's um it's a different energy shift, isn't it? And I think we're, you know, like deep down, we're not designed to kind of stay in those boxes, you know, kind of boxes we need to get out to be a part of what's going on around us, you know. So I think it's really good that you was able to kind of do that. And sure. I suppose and yeah. yeah, and 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 that's what I'm, I'm as I'm sure you and many of your listeners and other people who join your show are wondering, like, all right, what's sort of the, how are we evolving? Uh, what's the workplace of the future? And and certainly what this experience showed is the incredible thanks to technology and such that we were able to stay connected. And it shows incredible efficiency. And in some many positive ways, you know, you can even increase the scale and uh, yeah. way in which you connect with people. At the same time, it's not a, it's, it's not a complete, and in, in some cases, I would say poor substitute for really good quality human interaction and creativity. And so I, I, I really do hope, and I believe we will, because that's just who we are. We're social animals, and therefore we should be connecting uh, in person. Um, I think you froze a little bit there.
my phone overheated. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I I can't wait to get an iPhone again. Oh, this phone. Yeah, I know. Well, there you go. Just as I was talking about technology, there is a perfect... I'll, I'll just I'll just continue. Yeah, I'll just continue now. Um, yeah, so the the phone, my phone over here, but you were talking about like technology and yeah, so there's a blessing and a burden. I mean, and the blessing is it, you know, enables us to stay connected and share information. So I think it's so important to just sum that up is as we progress mm -hmm. into a, a sort of a new chapter as a human, you know, kind, we yeah. need to be mindful of the how we use technology to its fullest potential, the way in which we connect, but not to, to um, overplay it not to use it as a complete substitute for human interaction. Because the word you used earlier, shift, I think when you are around, surrounded in person with people, uh, you you elevate and shift the energy. That is yeah. so essential to who we are because we're social beings is mm. what I was trying to make. So I think finding the right balance between, uh, years ago in my graduate work, um, yeah. I learned about this concept of what they called socio-technical systems. How do you optimize the, the technology and the work system uh, versus yeah. the social, informal, intangible way in which we interact as human beings, right? And mm. so you want to jointly optimize those two things. Mm. That's a really deep word. <laughs> it's an amazing word. I, I think it's, it's so true though, isn't it? I think like um, it's kind of striking that balance, I suppose, between this and um working in person with people and i mean i think when you do zoom calls you mean we, you're interacting with someone so there's that there is that element of energy exchange and interaction but i think when you're with people in person in groups there you know it's much more kind of significant and you know very very different and right. i suppose you saw that in your work as well yeah, no, it's a sensory experience. Uh, I mean, I, I this was once shared with me, and I like this sort of explanation you used. Uh, you said you have a glass of yeah. wine. Part of the reason why uh, you clink glasses is uh, for a host of reasons. One, you have the the you know the senses, full sensory experiences that you see the wine, the color of the wine. Yeah, you get the fragrance, you get that. Then you have the taste of that. But then you don't have the auditory experience of it. So you clink the glasses. And so the, the vibration of the glass, especially when it hits another glass, is, you know, tunes into one another. It creates yeah. that sort of vibrational resonance with one person and the other. And then if it's surrounded by a nice restaurant and food and friendships and whatever else, yeah. then it, 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 um, in, it leaves this indelible memory into mm. our experience that creates a warm, positive feeling. So yeah, yeah, the chemical, the alcohol maybe makes you a little bit looser or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's of course fun, but it, it is more than that, right? Mm. So that's what's so I think essential as we think about the work we do as professionals, be it consulting or podcasting or whatever, how yeah. do you create that total sensory experience? Mm. Definitely. That's a real point you mentioned. And I think I can definitely relate to that from when I worked in hotels in the past and being in that experience of, I mean, sometimes we'd have live music playing, you know, and, and then you've got people talking, the noises. 
seeing people have a nice, you know, the smells, noise, the, the yeah. location, it's all kind of like a mix. And at the time, I think when I was in that, I didn't really think about all of those things, you know, but like thinking about it now, now you say it, it kind of concretes those kind of bad memories, doesn't it, of, of that experience. If sure. you just, if you take away some of those things, it's like, mm, okay. Yeah, exactly. Marcel Proust, who's a French poet, used to talk about it, that became the Proustian yeah. effect when he would uh, have, uh, you smell his mother's cookies being baked, you know, they would always conjure up nice, fond memories of him spending time with her. You know, it's that experience and creates this association. Yeah. So, uh, that's so, that's in, so important to our human experience. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. And, I'm just thinking, like, where where can people find you on, like, your website, like, social media, um, sure. you know, services? Yeah, thanks for adding, asking me, oh, Adam. Welcome. Um, you know, I have my Consulting Unplugged platform. There's a couple of different places. Consulting Unplugged is where I do my podcast. It's consultingunplugged.com. Uh, easy to find. Uh, where I I host a lot of uh, interesting people like yourself, authors, innovators, executives, creatives, you know, just to create, bring that kind of storytelling about their experiences and their backstory about consulting or, or being a transformational leader. So Consulting Unplug is a great place. That's where you can get more information about programs. I also have my business, a design firm called DXD Partners. Uh, you can go there as well. And then Social media, LinkedIn, I have, uh, I use that uh, a lot. I, I know I need to do a little more on Facebook and uh, <laughs> in, in Instagram, I, I will eventually. But LinkedIn, obviously under Andrew Peck, P-E-K, uh, that's a, it's a good place to, to find me. Certainly welcome anyone uh, uh, to my network and happy to accept their invitation. No, awesome, Andrew. Awesome. And like, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and yeah. I've had a really great time. And I I really, you know, I wish you all the best in, you know, everything that you're doing. And also people can find your book on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon yeah. as well. Yeah, you can find my book, Stimulated Habits to Spark Your Creative Genius at Work, uh, uh, as well as other books that I have there too on my website. But Amazon, yeah, you can get it yeah. in all sorts of forms. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. Awesome. But no, yeah. I, w I wish you continued success in all that you're doing. And um, yeah, I look, I look forward to connecting again soon. Yeah, li likewise. Likewise. Thanks for having me on. Great connecting. No, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you as well. No, cheers, man. Cheers. I really, really appreciate it. Really grateful for this. Thank you. You bet. All right. So. Cheers. Got it,